The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Hello, and welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Haas of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. Happy Saturday. Yes, happy Saturday right back at you. That's right. We're here every Saturday for 2 to 3 o'clock, bringing you news on information on real estate and finance. We're also here sometimes on Sundays. Yes, from 3 to 4. Then always on podcasts. Yes, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Go look us up. You can find us. That's right. And do subscribe. Yeah. We have more and more subscribers. We've got uh, about 500 of the shows have been listened to at this point, which I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but considering we don't actually advertise the podcast. right. right. Uh, we don't have any sponsors of the podcast because it's us just, you know, putting this content back online. That's right. You know, yeah. we are uh, we are going to do some more interesting things as we get into 2020, I will say, yeah, it's for gonna sure. it's going to be a year for us. Yes. It's going to be an amazing year yeah, for us. Looking forward to it. I'm super excited. Team Reba's building back up again. We got new staff. We're getting primed. We're doing business planning for the next year. It's very exciting. You and I just had a meeting talking about what our class schedules are going to look like for the next year. So we're going to be tightening that up over the next week or so. So our listeners can know what kind of classes we're going to be offering. And we're going to change it up a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to change them up a little bit and offer a couple of different size options. Right. You can, you can take the uh, jumbo class, which is Uh five hours. Sponsored by the Washington State Housing Finance Commission. This is a class that entitles you to access to special first-time homebuyer financing programs and reduced cost PMI, things like that. Private mortgage insurance. Uh, Make sure our listeners know what that means. Acronyms and banking. Yes. uh, That's not house insurance. That's the mortgage insurance if you have less than 20% down. Correct. Right. And it's not cheap. But no, it is not. We have ways to reduce that cost. Which yes, is definitely worth. And one of them is to put your for. fanny in a seat in That's one right. of our classes. That's right. That's right. Who and knew that putting your fanny in a seat could save you so much money? Well, you never know. They certainly don't tell you that on a Geico commercial because that's not don't. what happens there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, and that's one of those things, you know, sitting down, putting the time in, the effort to be educated on options and things available. You're not going to get that by standing in front of your house and clicking on your smartphone. No, you know this is you're something not. that you, you know, it's it's worth the time invested. Hundred percent. And yeah. like we tell everyone all the time, the feedback we get from people who attend that class, this isn't even coming from us. Yeah, people feel like they've really developed life skills. Mm-hmm. They come into it, and we ask them at the beginning, kind of what they think, you know, the process is about, and then by the time we finish. Their, you know, head is cram-packed, as you like to say, full of information. However, they're much more informed consumers. And that is the 
I think, frankly, the most important part. That's the reason I'm always motivated to do those classes because as you and I both know, like when I got in this industry, I'd had a mortgage professional take advantage of me before mm-hmm. I got into the industry. Right. And right. then I took your old class, How Not to Get Screwed by a Mortgage Lender. <laughs> Actual title. Which, yes, and which is how we met. Mm-hmm. And then now we've been doing business together, you know, I mean, not... It's not the only, we can't do that. I mean, the state won't allow us to only work together, obviously. But um, but you have been my number one guy for 17 years running. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Good gosh, we could almost have a graduate from high school here <laughs> between the two of us. Scary. <laughs> I know, right? But, um, you know, but that's been an important thing because educating and making sure that people don't get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what, you know, that's... That's what everyone's always afraid of, right? And, that, and we're going to talk about that yeah. in detail about an example, right, today. Right. But that really is the motivating factor for me and you about why we do this. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as I'm doing my business planning and I'm going through stuff with my team about what are our motivations, mm-hmm. right? Because that makes a big, big difference about how we show up to work every day. Of course. Right? Are yeah. we excited? Are we enthusiastic? Are we helpful? How do we want to, you know, show up for our customers and making sure that people feel protected in what is going to be the largest transaction they do in their life, even mm-hmm. if they do multiple real estate transactions, it's always going to be the biggest one, mm-hmm. right? Right. Absolutely. And so many people that work in this industry, both on the real estate agent side and also on the lending side, uh, are just trying to sell you. They're just trying Frequently, to get you to yes. sign up and and for options or, or products or programs that maybe are not mm-hmm. in your best interests yeah. or are not thoroughly researched. They're just the easiest path. Yeah, and that's and that's the problem is the human nature is to go path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And again, that's gonna be part of the topics that we're talking about today is how to avoid getting in that situation, right? right? And how to look for these issues and and just also getting into the dilemmas that -hmm. happen with that. I'm really kind of excited about what the rest of the show is going to be about because you and I, I'm sure we'll have as usual differing opinions and probably some very similar opinions on some of these things. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a compelling, you just sent me a snippet of like, Hey, I have an idea for a show. Here's a real life situation going on right now. Right. What do you think? And as we fleshed it out a little bit, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, we totally have to do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got a lot of different angles mm-hmm. to think about on it. And, yes. And I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong. No, 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 no. It just, it, it opens up a mm-hmm. whole line of what ifs and um you know how can you how could some of these things have been prevented depending on which side of you know the coin you're on absolutely right yeah so it's it's i find it a very compelling story i'm not the real estate agent involved in it so Mm -hmm. i can i'll talk about it from each side of the transaction as from a buyer point of view seller point of view on the agency side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be doing that, you know, listeners from the standpoint of, you know, what is my own knowledge base, but also coming at it from the Realtors Association side as someone who's a 
member of the Realtors Association and we have a code of ethics and then also the aspect of Mm -hmm. needing to be someone who is out there educating for the consumer Mm -hmm. about the industry. That's where I'm going to be coming from. Right. Okay. I think that's good. Yeah. But um, before we get there, though, uh, do you have a mortgage rate update for us? Let's do let's do a quick update here. So uh, we are still, uh, you know, in such a good place right now. 2019 has turned out to be the best year for mortgage rates since 2011. Sweet. You know, we're, we're, I, we're I believe good. that. The last uh, couple weeks, rates have been holding fairly steady. Uh, there are a few things that we do need to keep an eye on, though, uh, looking forward. You know, number one is Fed policy, and number two mm-hmm. is the trade war with China. Okay. And uh, major updates on either of those fronts could cause rates to uh, become a little bit more volatile. Just out of curiosity, is the impeachment hearings doing anything to this too or no? It hasn't. Okay. It hasn't. It's Brexit, crickets. is that? Brexit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but Brexit got uh, got delayed uh, three more months. So okay. we'll come to a head on that again uh, beginning in of the, the spring. Year. In the spring. Oh, good times. And uh, and so, the, well, you know, why do we care about these things? You know, especially, you know, with now the trade war... Definitely, we care about because uh, those those uh, tariffs have actually slowed the China economy down dramatically. They're in a slowest growth mode they've been in in decades. Uh, in the U.S., we also see the impact of it, and it slows us down a bit as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Slowing economy is good for interest rates. So, yes. so the bad news with the trade war has been good news for mortgage rates. You know, if we see resolution of that trade war in any meaningful way, that's going to cause the rates possibly to go up a little bit. Brexit, uh, you know, we, we just don't know what that's going to do to the to our, our trade balances with Europe and with England. Most likely, it could actually be beneficial to us uh, because we'll negotiate some separate, you know, uh, trade agreements with England, with the UK directly. And, uh, and that's good for our economy, which means it could cause interest rates to rise. So the Federal Reserve uh, is very data dependent right now. They're looking at the statistics. And if we do see continued signs of the economy slowing, that will cause the rates to stay stable, possibly go lower. Signs of the economy picking up steam, you know, could cause the rates to go higher. It's all going to be very, very closely dependent on on the, uh, the data. So here's where we're at right now. The national averages for a conventional 30 year fixed rate loan. 3.76%, 3.76%, still nicely under 4%. Nice. It's yeah. looking really, really good. These are uh, all awesome. Yeah, 15-year uh, fixed rates around 3.43%. Uh, FHA and VA 30-year fixed rates, 3.38%. Oh, my gosh. That's like the ultimate low. Right. And I got something to say about VA, too, now. Okay. There's, there's some changes. I'm assuming positive? It is, actually. Uh, well, a little bit of both. Um, for VA... Uh, if you are a veteran, especially if you've not used your VA benefits ever before, uh, boy, it's certainly a program to look into. Um, as of uh, for all loans closing uh, beginning in January 2020, uh, VA's made a few changes. This was a result of what was called the Blue Water Navy Veteran uh, Blue Water Navy Vietnam Veterans Act of 2019. This is a law recently signed uh, signed around. Okay, and it did a couple things. The first thing it did, which is it increased the maximum zero down loan options available up to 1.2 million. 
Okay. And we're still waiting for some final ratification. Is that because of areas like here in San Francisco and partially. other parts of California yeah, that are par- so expensive? Yes, partially. Okay. Because there's a so. lot of military all up and down the coast. So. Yes, there really is. So yeah. the way VA, both coasts. The way VA loans work, VA guarantees loans up to 25% of the mm-hmm. loan amount. And, um, and so it enables a veteran to buy zero down. There's no PMI on the loan. You've got those low rates. It's a great program. Okay. So what? Wait, did you say they guarantee up to twenty five percent? Twenty five percent. So it's like they are their own version of PMI. It is. It is. But interesting. It's, it's called a guarantee. I've, I've never heard anyone really put it insurance. that way. Yeah, it's called a interesting. guarantee. It's the VA okay. Guarantee. So for a lender's perspective, if a VA loan ever goes bad, mm-hmm. um, then we're guaranteed, you know, reimbursement up to twenty five percent. God, that's amount. why when they move people around, there's an option for. Well, yeah, I mean, Some of that. yeah, there's ways around that. Yeah, yeah that's, got it. That's got absolutely it, got right. It. You can tie up eligibility in an old mm-hmm. home and still have eligibility left over mm-hmm. and uh, still buy a new home zero down, depending on how much eligibility you have and the right. price of the home. So so one of the changes with this new Blue Water Navy Vietnam Veterans Act of 2019, got to say that three times really fast, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, increased loan limits for VA. Uh, the other big change, which I really, really love, is if you have a veteran who is active military at the present and they have a Purple Heart, their funding fee mm-hmm. is waived. That's a huge deal. A savings oh, up yeah, that 2.3%. is 2.3%. Well, and it helps in uh, negotiating the transaction because often the seller is the one paying that, right? Yeah, so. Sometimes, many times. Yeah. So fantastic news if you're a veteran. Uh, check out that information. You can reach us, and we're happy to tell you. Fill you up. Be back. Just a minute on more Open House with Team Reba. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Now back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon. Yes, your valuable time spent That's on right. fascinating topics of real estate, mortgage, and all things related. That's right. All <laughs> things related. Hey, we geek out. We love geeks listening to the show. Heck yeah. Bring it on. Yep, that's right. That's right. Let us know if there's other geeky subjects you would like us to cover because we're all about it. In fact, let me just tell you, upcoming shows, I've got, um, speaking of geeking out, we have Gerald Grinter who's going to be coming back on the show talking about other new things in insurance. Big time geek. Oh yeah, yeah, total geek. And then we have, so estate sales. I am talking with a company right now that specializes in that. And and because we've had some people ask us about issues around downsizing. Right. Like, how do you do that? What do you do? Right. And then outside of that, um, one of the kind of interesting uh, kind of side conversations that came out of my going to Tim Burkhart's recent memorial Mm -hmm. was I didn't realize that his um, law firm also had an adjoining um, financial services firm oh, very cool. for wealth management. Mm-hmm. And so we are reaching out to them right now. Uh, I'll be talking with them more uh, in December about having somebody come on to talk about as you're downsizing or retiring, good, like best good. practices around some of that. Because we've had people asking us to bring that on. But the hardest thing, listeners, I have to tell you, in getting a wealth management person to come on air is it can't be someone from a large financial institution, typically. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, if I have approached 
you know, lots and lots of people who work in that field about this topic, and many of them would love to come on. However, when you're dealing with a large financial services firm, there's this thing called compliance Mm -hmm. that you have to deal with. And not only compliance, but they have to take any request for stuff like this all the way up the, you know, management chain, way up high. And frequently they won't allow someone in a local market to come on to represent the firm. Plus they may only have market knowledge of certain products, not a wider spectrum of things that are available. Exactly. So so it's been a bit of a road, but I want to let our listeners know I have been staying on top of those requests that we do get. And uh, I hope to soon have that topic matter on the show. Well, sounds good. Yes, sounds good. very excited. All right. So speaking of people downsizing and thinking about their long-term mm-hmm. proceeds and what they're going to live on, that kind of leads us into this example that you put in front of me the other it, week. It does. That spawned this show. Absolutely. But even before that, and, and just sort of okay. the opposite of downsizing, yeah. are the number of real estate agents that are licensed in our local markets. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, that becomes part of this conversation. It does. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, because how do you pick, how do you pick an agent? Right. You know, we've got, what, what was it last count? Over 37,000. Yeah. Real so, yeah. I'm, so while I'm training a bunch of my new team members and giving them kind of perspective, because they're from completely outside the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm having to give a lot of historical information. And so, what I was telling them is that prior to the housing crisis starting in 2007, During the run-up, we went from 22,000 to 32,000 agents in the state of Washington that were members of the local Northwest Multiple Listing Service. And that's not even servicing the exact entire state. Yeah. yeah. So the same same pool now. So we lost – it went back down to Mm 20-some thousand, you know, when the crash happened. And then as the market came back – People started coming back in, Mm -hmm. right? Now we have, it's like 37,594 or something like right around that number. And it it changes from month to month, right? Of course, yeah. But it's in that ballpark. 37,000. Close to, yes. Working towards 38. That is a lot of people. And here's the thing that I was saying to my team. Now, people hear 37,000 some agents. And you think about, say, a company like Microsoft that in a particular city might have 30-some thousand employees. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, those employees are in all categories within the business, meaning some are in marketing, some are in accounting, some are in development, Mm -hmm. some are in management, some are, you know, it's all these different things. But when you have 37,000 agents, that's just 37,000 salespeople. That's the sales department, yeah. That's all of it. And that's not including people like what I have on my staff. Right. So there's a bunch of other support staff associated with that. But uh, the vast majority of agents work alone. Mm -hmm. Right. I started the concept of a team 17 years ago and I was rare. Now about 10% of the agents that are out there are in teams and it is growing across the United States because someone finally figured out they needed to corporatize. I mean, I came from a corporate sales background Mm -hmm. and- and recognize like I'm I don't want to be the accountant I'm not going to do my bookkeeping I'm going to you know I want a marketing person I need a transaction coordinator I need all these other things so that I can focus on my customers well let's put this into perspective I mean I Mm -hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot here but what's your best but you're going to (laughs) but I am (laughs) of course (laughs) how many real estate transactions do you think there'll be this year in Washington state 
Oh, uh, Lordy. Um, See, so you're catching me on a one day that I didn't bring my computer in with me to the yeah. off, into the studio. Not um, 37,000, though. No. No. I mean, well, okay. So, oh, you know what? We are, You know what? Can we get back to that question? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, because I, can I borrow your computer? Of course, yeah. And here's because here, I can look it up. Here's where here's where I'm going with that question. Yeah. You know what? How many transactions does the average real estate agent close? Okay, that's in what a I year? I can definitely tell you yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, so the average agent national statistics are six. Six. Six average. Yeah. Now there are 1.36 million agents in the United States and. Half of them annually don't close any, mm-hmm. none at all. And I'm guessing we're no different from that in Washington no, State. No, those statistics run pretty pretty standard. Now, here's what I can also tell you. Out of that same 1.36 million agents, mm-hmm. only 45,000 of us do 25 or more transactions a year. Mm-hmm. That's not very many No. out of that total number. Wow, wow. It's a really small, it's only like, what is it? Like, th- hold on, four, 3%? 3%, 3%? Yeah, 3%. Yep. So it's, you know, it's a big disparity. And this is something that you and I talk about in our class, like, because one of the segments that we talk about is how do you choose a real estate agent? Right. Right. And so we run through what are some of the typical things that this person ought to have as a knowledge base and how they do their practice. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of it's strategic planning, having good electronic skills, you know, because everything's done online nowadays, mm-hmm. primarily, right, with right. electronic signatures and what have you and the online searches. And, and so you have to have a working knowledge of the tools. You need to have uh, market knowledge. You need to know how uh, how to have good analytical skills because you're checking to make sure is that price appropriate mm-hmm. for this property? Are we above? Are we below? Are we like right in the good spot for this? Mm-hmm. You know, is someone being taken advantage of? Are you getting a deal? You know, it just depends, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then uh, and then also support till closing mm-hmm. because that's the whole thing. A large number of those thirty seven thousand some agents. Do this part time, right, right, and you use the uh, we we use the example even in the classes where you had a transaction with a uh, real estate agent where the caller oh my ID, gosh the plumber yeah the plumber the plumber caller ID had a plumbing oh. company on it yeah and I and at first I thought well did they just recycle a phone number and then I finally asked him yeah. I said why does it keep saying Beacon Plumbing every time you call me <laughs> and he goes oh well that's, that's my day job. He goes, that's what I do during the day. That's why you can't get a hold of me from eight to five. I'm usually under a house. And, you know, he almost blew that deal up Mm. because one, he didn't realize his clients had gift funds. And so he wasn't working with them to get the proper documentation for that. Mm -hmm. So it almost blew up the financing. He was never available to talk to the title and escrow companies because guess what? They work eight to five. He was working. Yeah. Yeah. So he was off plumbing a house. And and couldn't get the stuff done. Yeah. So my team ended up having to do all the heavy lifting on it. Yeah. And we're like, why oh, are yeah. we paying this bozo? Oh, yeah. I had, I had one recently. The agent was a bus driver. So we figured, oh, oh we're going to just uh, meet you on the corner of 4th and Madison. <laughs> you know, oh, at 407, you can sign some documents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get you on your coffee break or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of that going on. But... Um, I wanted to bring this up because uh, we, we have a situation in our office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not even really a situation, but here's the, here's the story. 
uh, there's a an elderly owner of a home, mm-hmm. and he's lived in this home for 60 years. Okay, so he probably paid, who knows, you know, twelve five thousand dollars for it, right? When, yeah. when he bought it back in the 60s. Yeah. And uh, so maybe 12. Right, maybe 12. Maybe. And he has a real estate agent that he hired who is equally uh, advanced in age. And mm. I don't know uh, much about the experience of this this agent. Uh, Do you know his name? I, I can't, why not on no, air? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying do, don't air. don't yeah, tell me can, on air. Give me the name and yeah, I can yeah, look him can, up. We can, and no, I can I, tell I don't you. I have it right here oh, in okay. front of me. But uh, so anyway, so so this elderly guy decides he's going to sell his home, and it's time you know time to move on. So he he meets with this agent, and as near as we can tell, the agent looked up the value of this home, which happened to be in Issaquah, mm-hmm. uh, on Zillow, and pretty was, much was it Zillow? You told oh, me something no, excuse else. Excuse me, Redfin. It was, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, looked it up and and pretty much listed the home at that price, seven hundred and sixty-five thousand. So the home goes on the market, and uh, not surprisingly, there's quite a few offers on the property, mm-hmm. uh, but they accept an offer that's fifteen thousand dollars lower. So listed listed at seven, excuse me, lives at seven fifty. Offer came in at seven thirty five. They accept with that. multiple offers. Yeah, interesting. So seven thirty five, and our loan is in process. So we're moving right along. Everything's going along fine. The appraisal comes in not at 735 not at 750 which is the original mm-hmm. list price comes in at 850 115,000 dollars higher than our sales price wow now appraisers when they appraise a property they do see the purchase contract they know what the buyer is paying for it mm-hmm. and um, and uh, but they are required to come up with their best guess of fair market value there is a range with that and even looking at the appraisal and the comparable sales data and everything, this appraisal could have come in higher than eight fifty, you know, even. But this appraiser coasted in at eight fifty. Didn't have Jeez. to work at all to come up. Yeah, with as that soon value. as you told me it was Issaquah, I was like, that's going to be a pretty oh, high sure. price property, especially depending on com- condition and updates. right. Which this isn't an updated home. It's it's an older home. It's never been updated. You know, there's a ton of potential with that home, but it's in decent shape and condition mm-hmm. and everything like that. So so here's our dilemma. You know, we've got a home uh, sold at 735, appraised at 850. What kind of issues and questions does that bring up? So many things to unpack. That's right. So many. And we're going to unpack them after these messages here on Open House with Team Reba. Listeners, stay with us so you can hear all the fun things we're going to talk about. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590, The Answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And Eric Osnos from Homebridge Financial. Yeah, so my arms are sore from all that unpacking. <laughs> unpacking. Oh my gosh. Unpacking. Yeah, I was just saying before the break, that there's a lot to unpack in this well, story. We've, we've, we've got a lot going on with this story. Yeah, so what do you want to unpack uh, well, first? Let's just do a real quick review if you're just, just tuning in to Open House. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we have an uh, elderly seller of a home, an elderly listing agent, mm-hmm. and we don't know the level of experience of the listing agent, um, but this elderly person has owned this home forever. And uh, the peers, the listing agent, just simply set the list price at Redfin's estimate of value. Yeah, just found an online valuation. Yeah, an online value. 
And uh, so the home got listed at 750. Buyer came in at 735. Mm-hmm. The appraisal came in at 850. 115 thousand dollars above the the sales price, which mm-hmm. is very rare. Typically, appraisers yes. come in pretty close to the sales price. Yes, they you know, do. Because their job, uh, and the, the true definition of fair market value, is that when you have an educated seller and an educated buyer, it, it's the price that those two agree agree with, undo, mm-hmm. given no other undue right. pressure or influences. Right, and that brings in one of the things that you said, that when you guys took over this loan, because mm-hmm. it was having trouble at another lending institution, Correct. the... When you guys had that appraisal transferred to you, the question was, is this an arm's length transaction? Right, because it's so unusual to yeah. see a, a price so so. And let's far explain what line. arm's length means. Yeah. So in lending, uh, we we like nice, tidy transactions, and we like mm-hmm. them arm's length, meaning that the buyer is not related to the seller right. or the realtor. You know, mm-hmm. those are those are clean. Now that doesn't mean you can't buy a home from a relative or buy a home from a friend, right. you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. But when it is less than arm's length, uh, we have to document that fact. And, uh, and typically that requires, um, you know, some, some type of documentation. Usually mm-hmm. it's a letter of explanation, something along that, right. along that line. So here's our dilemma. As a lender now, I have to get documentation to, to essentially prove that this is a arm's length transaction. So how do I do that? Yeah. I have a, as a lender, I have a fiduciary responsibility to my client, the buyer. Right. And I can't do anything that would jeopardize the transaction. Right. So, so in that, in this case, uh, I could not go to a seller, for instance, and tell them what the appraisal came in at. That right. Could yeah, because now you're triggering an issue. I'm triggering an issue. So, what do I do? You know, we have to figure out a way to get mm-hmm. this information from the seller. Is this arm's length? Is this not mm-hmm. arm's length? And why? And so the, how did you do that? Well, in the end, we, we actually just told the, the seller uh, there's, a, there's an additional search behind the scenes that required us to document, are you part of an art, you know, related to the, to the seller at all? And he didn't you really- You mean the buyer? Uh, the buyer. No, the seller. The seller. Oh, yeah, for okay. The, for the oh, 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 you yeah. asked the buyer yeah. and, that question. And we did okay. the same thing with the seller. Okay. And um, so, and neither really seemed to bat an eye about it. You know, they're so, yeah. you know, un- yeah, well, they're not familiar with it. They're not, not dealing with, with it all the with, time. With, with what goes on. Yeah, you could have so, had a first-time buyer and a long, long time since he's had his mm-hmm. house. Right, right. You know, now if you're working with an agent that understands what's going on in the market, they'd be mm-hmm. like, why? You know, why do you mm-hmm. need to know that? What, yeah. what triggered this, this right. request? Why are you asking? In our case, we kind of lucked out that we didn't have to explain it. Well, and, and also let's just throw out there. One of the reasons this is also in place is during the housing crisis, mm-hmm. there were people that someone was underwater on their house and their family members were offering to buy the homes at a lower price in a quote unquote short sale Correct. only to allow to let the, the right owner of the home stay in it. Yeah. They're bailouts. And so they were trying, yeah. they were trying to stop fraud. Mm hmm around yeah, that absolutely so i mean it, it's a fraud issue they're it looking is. for fraud they're trying oh, to make yeah. sure everything's okay and on the up and up oh, yeah. and okay. and for we the people who are also impacted by what happens in the lending mm-hmm. you know markets you, you want this of course you want the checks and balances of course yeah and many times we saw price inflations the, go in the other direction yeah you know we're 100 selling for way more than what the fair market yeah we've had to go both directions yeah. in this case though I really feel bad for the seller. 
Well, I'm with you 100% on that because given the difference, I mean, you think about an elder person, $115,000, frankly, in today's world, if someone has to go into long-term care, that's how much it costs every year. Mm -hmm. It does. And if this guy is well past his income earning years, Mm -hmm. I mean, we had that happen with John, one of our listeners, when Mm -hmm. we helped him sell his place in Fremont. We got him a hundred, what was it? His friends, his quote unquote, pardon me, air quote friends were offering 550 to 600 for that home. And we sold it for 781,000. Wow. A vast difference. Yeah. And did he expect that? We had told him we thought we could get multiple offers on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did. I told him I thought I'd get at least 750 for it. And Mm -hmm. so we proved what we said we could do. Yeah. And I remember we had a 750 cash offer and then we had a 781 with a rehab loan. And he was like, well, why don't you want to take the cash deal? Like it's, you know, good to go. And I said, John, you're retired, right? And he's like, yeah. And I said, are you capable of earning $31,000 in the next five weeks? Mm. And he went, no. And I went, that's where I want you to take the other offer. And we've already vetted the buyer out to know that they've got enough money to cover the gap on the appraisal if need be. And they've also waived all of that. So they would have to. Mm -hmm. Or they would lose the $50,000 of earnest money. Yeah. And so he was in a sweet spot of control there. And so he went ahead and closed the 781. And And I'm proud to report he's got a new girlfriend. Ooh. Yeah, he's living down in Olympia. Yeah. And he's, you know, been going down to the senior community center and found himself a little girlfriend. It's no pretty kidding. awesome. Wow. Yeah, I'm so excited for him. Very cool. Yeah, we just talked a couple of weeks ago. They go park their walkers in the in the backyard. Well, he's, he doesn't need a walker, but oh. no, no, no. They they like getting out and doing stuff. It's, nice. it's awesome. I'm really oh, excited for him. That's good. Yeah. That's good. He went from being very isolated to now he's got like a whole new lease on life. It's very awesome. Very cool. That's good. Yeah. Oh, happy to hear that. Yeah. All right. Well, John, if you're listening, hello. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're glad Shout you're having John. fun. Way to go, John. Good job. <laughs> Anyhow, so back to this guy. So yeah, yeah, when we're saying here's an elderly seller who's missing out on the potential of 115,000 extra right. dollars. But he doesn't know it. I and, know. And honestly, I know, but I know, but I'm just it's like it's killing me. It, it, and the in the listing agent most likely doesn't know it either. No, not if he it. priced it that way, right. but you'd think that he would have had well, I don't know. The, the, I mean, this is hard because if they had multiple offers and all of them came in under asking, it makes me wonder what were the conversations agents were having with that listing agent and what was he saying? Yeah. And I you don't, know, that I makes, don't, that I don't makes know me that nervous. Side of it. I well, really don't. But, but, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You brought this up a minute ago where you can't give out information that could compel the other party right. to like kind of bail out on something so here's the thing in agency law in the state of washington there is a duty of confidentiality Mm -hmm. and if his elder buddy was spouting off something maybe in phone conversations with any of the buyer agents he may have set them up to get these low offers i i I think you're right. And that right then that. works against his own client, mm-hmm. which is in and of itself also a violation of agency. He's not mm-hmm. working in the best interest. Right. Now, maybe because he's been in the industry for such a long time, 
Maybe he thought he was doing him a favor. I don't know. But it also means that if he hasn't been in the industry very much, like if he's kind of in the same retiree level Mm -hmm. and is only doing a onesie twosie transaction every once in a while, he may have no clue about what's going on in this market. Exactly. And and that's super unfortunate. And think about, think about the seller. You know, he bought this home for let's, let's say 10, $15,000, you know, he's getting $735,000 for this. And he's thinking he just hit the lottery. Right. So he doesn't understand that money was left on the table. He's probably, probably happy with that. It's possible. You know, but uh, my, my my worry about it or my concern about it is, is just, just, uh, you mentioned uh, assisted living Mm -hmm. care is so expensive. We all live longer. Mm -hmm. We all live a lot longer. Yeah. And, you know, there's those rare cases, Um, you know, today's a little bit of a sad day for me because my niece-in-law, who was like 30 years old, it was her birthday, Mm -hmm. and she just passed away from mouth cancer. Mm -hmm. But she's the rare case of someone dying young, right? right? Most of us, we're in this weird spot in the world right now where we've got five generations in the workforce. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Even a hundred years ago, people weren't expecting to live to be octogenarians. Yeah, Your own right. grandmother was an octogenarian. She was. Right? Yeah, 107. The, yeah. yeah. So that's becoming more and more common. And so to to have a good quality of life, I mean, think about this. 80% of Americans end up on some kind of what are termed entitlement programs, but things like Social Security. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are basically, you know, poor households mm-hmm. because it's not a lot of money. No, it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely so right. So to to know there's an elder person who wasn't taken care of in the way they probably could or should have been. I mean, some people I'm sure are listening to this show going, well, but the buyer, I mean, it's so hard to get a good deal and everything's so expensive. But it's like, mm-hmm. but that person is in the workforce and earning mm-hmm. income right now. They right. had to qualify for this. Yeah, and I don't and fault that, the buyer at all. The buyer had nothing to do with it. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they, However... They are an income earner mm-hmm. where this person is not. And True. so if they run into any hard times, they the, the ability for them to make up for something mm-hmm. is enormous. Right. You know, yeah. it's 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 Herculean. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. you know I, I struggle yeah. with stories like this because yeah. there's so yeah. much, right? So it does. I mean that so that agency piece is, you know, it it, it kicks into the okay. Listeners, if you're hiring somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have had this conversation a lot of times where I, I make the joke. I'm like, really, are you picking somebody by who they sleep with? And they're like, Wait, excuse me, what? And I'm like, well, if you're picking your brother's you know, wife or girlfriend, <laughs> is that the best qualifying factor you could have? You know, right. I don't. Right. Sorry. Right. Like, I realize someone might have hurt feelings. But then again, do you go pick your doctor like that? Or your right. CPA or your attorney. Yeah, what relative do I have who's a doctor? Yeah, what relative do I have who's a CPA? No, right. I'm not going to be making my choices based you know, on that. My nephew is a pediatric uh, neurologist. Yeah. And I wouldn't pick him just because he's my nephew. He's just really good at what he does. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know? Well. And I know his heart's in it, and he's really good with kids. So, like, I would pick him because he's excellent. Right. But if he wasn't... You bet your patootie I'm not calling him up. <laughs> well, we got to take a, a quick break here, but when we come back... Let's go rest our patooties. Let's talk about how do you pick yes. an agent. 
More to unpack. That's right. After these messages on Open House with Team Reba. Come help unpack with us. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1580. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ostinus from Homebridge Financial. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. Thanks again for listening in to us this afternoon, with us this afternoon. <laughs> At us? I don't know. <laughs> nice repetition. Thank you. <laughs> I got, in fact, I'm a little you know, worried we're about to repeat ourselves, too, because you were like, well, let's talk about how you pick an agent. I'm like, oh, didn't I already cover that? Well, kind of, but, sort of, not really. A well, bit. you know what? Yeah, you're right because I didn't get into the details. I gave like the overview mm-hmm. of like the skill sets you're looking for. Right. But here's some really good questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you're like? Okay. Do you I have do. Some? I do. Well. Yeah. You go. Okay. So so the first one is obviously experience. Yeah. You and know, how I, do you determine what experience is? Well, I want to know units. I want to mm-hmm. know how many transactions yep. you close typically in a year. Yep. This year, last year. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, what, what is your ranking within your, your organization? Where are you closing those? Mm-hmm. What's the price ranges that you're closing? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about. Yeah, some you of have your to figure out what's important to you. Right. You exactly. do have to figure out what's important to you because, you know, if you look at someone like myself, I cover a multiple county range, mm-hmm. right? Right. Sure. And some people really care, like, oh, you know my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Frankly, that doesn't really matter so much today. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much of the information is just available to us. And that's where I say analytical skills and the ability to know the market in general also helps. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, you get that person who's only the neighborhood expert, but they don't know that it's the entire Pacific Northwest region that is impacting what's going on within that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, do they know the growth of other industries and market areas and how you compete against those, mm-hmm. right? Because right. if I'm looking at a place in Newcastle, I need to also know what the buyer and consumer kind of mindset is when they're starting out looking because many people think, oh, well, there I want someone who knows my neighborhood. Well, let me just tell you, Who's they're not only, it? yeah, because that's the whole thing is they're not only looking at your neighborhood, unless mm-hmm. it's a really, really, really specific thing. Mm-hmm. The general population is looking at a broad spectrum right. of places mm-hmm. because they're trying to compare what am I getting for the value of my money? Right. You know, they're I checking can, a lot of different things I out. I think on, a, on, on, on one hand, probably the number of buyers that said, I want to be in this neighborhood within this certain block radius. Exactly. And I'll wait. It's really rare. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's the exception. Not in the hundreds of transactions in 17 years, mm-hmm. I'm like you. I can think of five people mm-hmm. who were that specific, mm-hmm. like must be this neighborhood. Right. And and then, yes, we just took our time. And in fact, we did mailing campaigns and found mm-hmm. the yeah. homes and did, you know, did all of that, did right. door knocking, did, you know, the thing yeah. for yeah. them. But it was really, really uncommon, mm. you know, and that's usually a buyer who's that way. Mm-hmm. It, when you're a right. seller, you want to know, does that does that agent have the marketing skills and maybe even the marketing team mm-hmm. to help you do that? What what tools are they using today? Right. If we're talking about a guy who's mm-hmm. older, was what did he do for photos? Because I can tell you, oh my gosh, I just saw another million dollar listing the other day with cell phone photos. I about 
screamed. That one, that one just baffles me. It, I don't get it. Why Why are people not auditing their agent and asking and doing these things? And the, and the reality is, is they're afraid of, you know, of, of you know, well, offending their, somebody. their brother-in-law or sister-in-law. Well, there's that too, I guess, sometimes. You know, but yeah, but yeah. so yeah, you want to ask, what are the tools that you're going to be using right. to sell my home? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how are you making the reach, not just to the agents? I mean, I will tell you, a longtime friend of mine made me just shake my head when she was like, well, I'm so sorry we didn't use you because, you know, this guy in my neighborhood, and he said that his specialty was selling agent to agent, and I had to... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I had to hold back laughter like you're doing right now because I thought, you know, there's this thing called the MLS. And if I have a client who's looking for that property, that's where they're looking. Yeah, pretty much. And he's maybe the guy who spams me an e-flyer, you know, maybe hoping I might have somebody. Mm -hmm. But that is the biggest piece of hooey that you could tell somebody because he was like, it's like business to business sales. I sell to other agents. Baloney. It might have been relevant, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Right. When we had the books. Yeah. And people, you had every realtor had their box. Right. At the office. You put your flyer in the box. Exactly. Nobody sells like that. The listings came in a big bound notebook. Yes. And here's what I can tell you it's happening with it because we talked um, about what's going on with rates and the market we've talked for several weeks now is Mm -hmm. a bit moderated, right? Only about 20% of these houses are selling for at or above, Mm -hmm. you know, within like one to two weeks and then everything else. Yeah, it's had some shifts. So I can tell you, I know that those things have gone up. Even if I didn't go look at the stats, you know how I know? Because I'm being reverse prospected like crazy. <laughs> Any of my clients, I have bunches of clients who all have searches set up right now. Mm-hmm. And if I don't uncheck a box saying not to reverse prospect me, I get all these emails from agents who are trying to you know, sell that property. I'm like, look, if we already discarded that one, they're not interested. Mm-hmm. You sending me an email doesn't change their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, It's got to be super compelling in some way for that to, to make a difference. And chances are, if it was because you went and redid the interior or something like that, you know, maybe, maybe your feedback was, oh gosh, get rid of the hot pink you know, fuchsia rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you finally did that. Okay, well, maybe now we'll take a look at it. But if it's just, uh, hey, you know, just wanted to have, make sure you photos. had your people look at it. That's new photos. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of it's just now. like, oh, did did your people happen to notice this one? Yeah, and we said no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, smelled like 50 cats. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, don't get me on that one. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. So, and it's, I'm getting tons and tons and tons of open house requests and things like that. So that just tells me yeah. the market has had some adjustments. And, you know, we always say if it's not compelling, it's not selling. Mm-hmm. And number one compelling piece is price right. and then condition. Well, so you're trying to pick your agent. Mm-hmm. And they need to be forthright with you about the condition right. and pricing of your property. And it's an ego check for a seller. And honestly, and have the data to back it up. Absolutely. The they 100% they should have it. They shouldn't just be like, this is what I saw on this website. Do a comp analysis. Right. I'll tell you, it's very rare, but every comparative now and then, analysis, by the way, um, when I'm processing a mortgage, every now and then we'll have an appraisal come in lower than the sale price. Mm-hmm. I can tell you almost every single time that happens, both agents, not just one, but both agents in the transaction, the listing agent and the selling mm-hmm. agent are inexperienced. 
Yeah. And the price, the home has been priced wrong. Yeah. And the offer has been written wrong. And uh, usually when that happens, I, I there's a process for a low appraisal. You go to the agent. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. Oh, yeah. We, we We've challenged them. You know, here's the copy of the appraisal. Yep. Can you tell me, are there problems with this report? Or do you have better comparables yes. that you can give me that I can go back to the appraiser and, 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 do, and mm-hmm. go to battle? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, when we have that happen, nine times out of ten, the agent, especially the listing agent, cannot provide the comps. And that's the first oh. thing I asked. What comps did you use <clears throat> when you set this price? Or to the selling agent, yeah. what comps did you use when you decided on this price to yeah. offer? And uh, nine times out of ten, they can't. Sometimes they are doing what this other elder agent did. Mm-hmm. They just went on to a site. Right. Because here's the thing. like As these tech companies who are in the real estate space are trying to do their thing, they're saying, hey, here's our accuracy levels. Hey, here's how we're getting better. Mm-hmm. But they still have not been in the houses. Right. And so they are not accurate. They are not accurate. Right. And you yes, you can get some mild differences here and there on mm-hmm. some pricing if you ask different agents. But the experience level really does make a difference. Oh, it's, it's it a makes huge, 100% huge difference. Factor. And, and if your agent just stops at, oh, this is so much price per square foot, yes. and they don't go any further than that, that's kind of a big red light in my mind. Yeah, you know, it's a huge red be, flag. And, and appraisers have to compare like to like. Yeah. Similar homes, similar in age, Oh, yeah. Style, well, I was telling you, features, we had somebody. Footage, yeah, we yeah, had somebody recently where I was asking them to do a comparative market analysis on a studio condo. Mm-hmm. And they came back and they had one and two bedrooms. And the price swings were between four and $800,000. And I went, huh? what? Yeah. Like, no. why in the world no. are you comparing this to yeah. a two bedroom condo that is three times the size? Like, that. You no, you can't. And you can't compare your 1970s split level to the brand new, you know. New construction down the street. Because even if mm-hmm. you've modernized it, yeah, it's still not the same. Mm-mm. And in fact, um, I don't know if it's 100% true still anymore, but one of the things I had seen for a really, really long time is you, you could imagine for about every decade of difference, about a ten to $20,000 price difference minimum. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there you go. The, there you go. Well, I hope this is We're done unpacking. To. There we go. We got that all <laughs> unpacked and sorted out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Open House at Teamery. We're again, we're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock. If you have questions, send them to us at info at teamreba.com. That's right. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services.